Welcome to the City Church Sermon Podcast. City Church is a new church located in the city of Frisco, Texas, just north of Dallas. Our hope and prayer is that the following message can serve as an encouragement and as a blessing and inspiration in your walk with Christ. If you have any questions about City Church and want more information about us or you want to visit during one of our Sunday celebrations, please visit us online at citychurchfrisco.org or email us at hello at citychurchfrisco.org. If you would like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at citychurchfrisco.org slash give. Thank you for listening. We're again in the sermon series, The Unseen. We're, uh, we're almost wrapping it up. This has been, um, I think, an interesting, an interesting sermon series. It's one of those sermon series where sometimes, um, particularly in, in a very progressive city, let's say that we can call the city of Frisco that way, a very modern city, a very uh, advanced city, a very affluent city, uh, sometimes these subjects of spirits and demons and, and these things, uh, we don't really want to touch them because uh, we don't believe in that stuff. But again, the Word of God says that there is an invisible world, that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against dark forces, against principalities, against things that you and I can't see. That's why we're calling this the unseen. There is a spiritual world that is invisible to our eyes. And I think that when we become aware of that, it's not just becoming aware of the spiritual world that is against us, but also being aware that God is for us. Praise God. And we read 2 Kings chapter 6 where the servant goes out and he sees all the chariots and the horses that are up there at, uh, around the city ready to, to, to attack and ready to capture Elisha. And he has one of those, oh my God moments, what are we going to do? Just like any of us have had at any time in our lives. And Elisha tells him, hey... Um, don't be afraid. Isn't that like one of the worst things that you can hear when you are afraid? Like, I'm, I'm like scared. I don't know. And someone just says, hey, man, don't be afraid. Dude, you don't understand. You don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand my emotions. And I can kind of imagine uh, the, the, the servant of Elisha saying, what do you mean don't be afraid? Don't you see? Can't you see what's going on around us? And Elisha says, don't be afraid because those who are for us are more than those who are against us. And he does, and he says a prayer, Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. And his eyes were opened. And it says that the that his eyes were open, and now instead of just the chariots and the horses of the king of Aram, uh, that, that was all he could see in the, in the beginning. Now he could see chariots of fire. It was the angels, it was God's agents that were at work protecting the man of God. We got to remember when we feel attacked, when we feel overwhelmed by things in our lives, it could be work. It could be the, 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 the load that you have at work. It could be your marriage. It could be a relationship where things just aren't going well. And these are different struggles. It could be with your children, their rebellion, their attitudes. It could be with, with any one of these things that we face, these daily struggles. You have to remember there is a spiritual side to it also. We need to bring it 
before God. Can you say amen? Amen. Now today, um, growing up, uh, today we're going to be talking about about another portion of, of the armor of God. And I was thinking about this, and I was remembering that growing up, my family, at least from what I remember, I don't believe we had a lot of money. I think we were, uh, we were doing okay, but there was just wasn't a lot that we had at the house. And as you know, school just started a few weeks back, right? And um, one of the things that would happen just for us also was that as school was beginning, we had to go shopping for clothes. And one of the main components of shopping for clothes, which I believe it still happens in our house, so it still happens in everyone's house, was going to shop for some shoes. As a kid, right before school started, my biggest prayer before the Lord, my biggest hope before God, was that I was finally going to get those Air Jordans so that I can be accepted by my peers. But see, apparently my mom had no care in the world for my social development. She did not care if kids made fun of me at school. So instead of getting my Air Jordans year in, year out, I'd get one of these bad boys here. I don't know if you can make it out, but these are some retro pro wings. You know, now looking at them, they don't look that bad. (laughs) But I had to go to school in my brand new Payless Pro Wings. And I would struggle through school. I would struggle showing up the first day. And my hopes and dreams for that year were already crushed because I had to put these on. My success was already determined by this. Then one day after many years of prayer and many years of fasting, I don't know what happened, but Jesus touched my mother. (laughs) And I was finally able to get one of these bad boys. What about that, huh? I bet you didn't have those. These are some 1991 Reeboks pumps. I will lace them up and I will pump them up just to go outside to the school bus because it will make me walk faster. It will, in case I needed to uh, jump a, a puddle, I could jump it even higher. And you know what? Life was good. Life was jamming at that time. It was amazing. It was amazing. God answered my prayers. Now, they weren't Air Jordans. But you know, God doesn't always answer your prayers the way you want them to be answered. <laughs> but I got these. I was content. I was happy. Shoes are important. Praise God. Shoes are important, right, ladies? <laughs> Shoes are important. They're important because if you've ever worn a bad pair of shoes, you know that by the end of the day, Your feet are so sore. Your feet are aching. Your feet are are just so in pain that everything else in your body, it can feel good. But if your feet are on fire, the rest of your body doesn't feel good. You are tired. You are worn out. And it's important that you have a good 
pair of shoes. You need that support. You need to be able to do the work that you got to do. And if, especially if you work at a job where you're standing all day long, this support is even more important because you need to be able to stand firm. You need to get from one place to another. You need to arrive to work, ready to work. And, and, and all these things affect you if you don't have a good pair of shoes. Shoes are important. You gotta make sure your feet are comfortable and well. Have you ever been to somewhere that you were you were going to and, and you realized you wore the wrong set of shoes? Maybe you wore some flip-flops and it's as cold as as cold can be, and your feet are uncomfortable the whole time because they're just cold. And you can be trying to have a good time, but you're just not having a good time because your feet are cold. Shoes are important, they keep you protected. They, they allow for you to walk comfortably without worrying about what's ahead. And if your feet don't feel good, no part of your body feels good. Cold feet, aching feet, sore feet, uh, your toes getting bitten up by mosquitoes, none of that is good. Shoes are important. In the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about several areas where the enemy attacks us most intensely. And today I want to talk a little bit about our, our feet. And, and maybe you think, well, why does the enemy attack our feet? Well, and what I'm talking about as far as our feet goes is that I'm talking about our will, our decision making, the, the, the ability to go somewhere and to do something. In Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. How can you stand your ground if you're not wearing a pair of good shoes? How can you stand firm if your shoes, if your feet are unprotected? Because we live in an in a unseen world. We live in a, in, in a seen physical world, in an unseen spiritual world. We have to make sure that our spiritual lives are completely covered. And the Apostle Paul tells us, hey, there is a covering that you can put over your life. It's called the full armor of God. And the thing that covers our feet, the thing that requires us to stand, that allows us to stand firm, is the shoes that we wear. If you're going to stand firm, see, I needed those Air Jordans because, you know, when I would play basketball, I needed to be able to make some good cuts and to make some spin moves to, to drive to the basket. And if I was playing football, I needed a good pair of Nike cleats. That way I could stand firm. Have you ever seen a, a football game where the players are just slipping all over the place? And it doesn't make for a good game if there is not some sure footing. And they, it's all about the shoes. And the enemy attacks us in our will. Our will to stand firm. Our will to stand our ground. Now, Will, what is will? It's not the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, okay? We're not talking about him. Our will is our, the faculty by which a person makes 
decisions and takes actions upon. Some of the synonyms of, of will is determination. It's a strength of character. It's resolution. It's resoluteness, single-mindedness, uh, purpose. Those are all things that indicate will in our lives. And the Apostle Paul does offer us a pair of shoes for us to wear. A pair of Air Jordans for our spirit. And he says in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 14, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. Your feet should be fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The readiness that comes from the gospel. What does this even mean? The readiness of the gospel of peace. Now if we look close, if, if we were just kind of re- reading through it really quickly, we may think that the, the shoes that we should be wearing are the, is the gospel of peace. But if you look closely, it says that your feet should be fitted with the readiness. With readiness. That we should be prepared that we should be ready to take action. That there's got to be a readiness within our spirit for our for our feet to move, for us to take a step, for us to make a decision, for us to make a determination. And that this readiness, it doesn't come from our intellect. It doesn't come from our heart. It doesn't come from our from our education. It doesn't come from society. This readiness comes from the gospel of peace. If we are going to stand in firm, stand firm for God, and we're going to stand firm in God, we need to understand what God has done. This is the gospel. God has given of himself so that you and I can have life. See, there is a gap between you and God. There is a huge gap that you cannot cross. There is a divide that you and I cannot cross. There is God's holiness on one side, God's amazing power on one side, God's character, God's uh, um, just everything that composes God. All the words that you, his righteousness, his salvation, his redemptive power, all these things, it's all in the character of God, his love. That's God on this side. And we find ourselves way on the other side. And we find ourselves trying to get to where God is. And as I explained a couple of weeks ago, it's righteousness. The, the righteousness of God is something that we really can't achieve in our lives. I, 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 don't, I don't remember if I've used this illustration here. Maybe I have because it's one of my favorite ones, but I'll remind you. Just bear with me. I think the, the long jump record was 28 feet and some inches, okay? It was set by Carl Lewis, and then um, there's only been two or three people that have held that, the, the, the record that has been over 28 feet. Now, 28 feet is no joking matter. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I've measured this before. I haven't measured it here, but it's probably from this wall all the way to that wall. I'm going to tell you something. I can start training today for a full year, for two years, for three years. I will never be able to jump 28 feet. It's not in my genes. It's not in my athletic ability. I can try. Maybe I can reach six feet, maybe. (laughs) I'd have to do a lot of training. 
But there's no way that I can take a running start and at that door jump to get to this wall. Carl Lewis did it. There's been only one or two people in the world that have been able to jump that far. And see, sometimes in our spiritual lives, we are trying to make a jump all the way from over there to all the way where God is at. And we try to make this jump by the way we act, the way we behave, by conforming to certain rules in our lives. And I better be good. I better do this. I better act right. I better not say this word. I better make sure I do this and I do that. And it's right. You should be doing that stuff. But those are not the things that are going to get you to where God is at. Because I'm going to be honest with you. You can try as hard as you want to act right, to be have a good character. But there are flaws within us. There will be moments when you fall. And there will be moments when I fall. There will be moments when you struggle. There will be moments when I struggle. So what I need is I need somebody to stand in the gap between hearing God so that I can reach God. Not because of how good I can be. Not because of how smart I am. But because of just his amazing power to bridge that gap. And that person is Jesus. Jesus stands in the gap for you and for me. The thing that I can't do, I can't jump. I can't bridge the gap. God does that through Jesus. And this is the gospel that we preach. That our behaviors, that the way we act... It's not about that. It's about you receiving Jesus in your life. Once you receive Jesus, then Jesus begins to work in your life. Not the other way around. You don't need to act right before you can get Jesus. You don't get Jesus to be good. You get Jesus comes into your life and he'll make you good. Okay? You got to understand that. You got to understand that. Because sometimes we have it backwards and we, we struggle all our lives. Have I done enough to get to heaven? My goodness. Have you? I am so glad that I, me getting to heaven is not dependent on how good I am. But it's just on the grace of God. Because I'd be very worried every day. Don't, don't judge me, okay? I'm worried for you guys. It's not. It's what Jesus did on that cross for you and for me that gives us access to God. Gives us access to his throne. Gives us the ability to be called the children of God. We have to understand that is the gospel of peace. Now there is peace within us because we know we can't ever be righteous like God. But the righteousness of Jesus has become our righteousness. The victory Jesus has is our victory. Now we are free of sin. Now we can make decisions based on this new life that we have with Jesus. The penalty that was upon you and me, the Bible says, for the wages of sin are death. That penalty that was upon us now has been transferred upon Jesus. Jesus hung on that cross for you and for me. The Bible says that on the third day he rose again. He resurrected in victory, claiming victory over death, claiming victory over the enemy. Nothing could hold Jesus down. And when we become heirs with Jesus, nothing can hold you down. Nothing can hold me down. 
We are victorious in Jesus' name. Can you give God a hand praise today? So the gospel we preach has been given to us by God. And now we are ambassadors of this gospel. It is now our responsibility to preach this gospel. And Paul says you got to have the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. And I think that there's three things that the readiness is referring to. And it first refers to the readiness to stand firm. Because we will be challenged in our lives. We will be tested in our lives. We will struggle in our lives. And we have to be ready to stand firm in our values, in our beliefs. Even if the society tells us we're wrong, we are standing on the word of God, firm and unwavering, because we believe in God. And we've seen what God has done in our lives. The second thing I believe this is referring to is the readiness to do God's will for our life. And the third thing is the readiness to share the gospel with others. And, and you know, if you, I know we haven't mentioned it in a while, but the three words we, we like to use here at City Church is connect, grow, and serve. And I've been really debating and thinking, I think we need to add a fourth word. And it has to do something with share or to bring people or to do something where we are taking the gospel out from these four walls. Because the gospel needs to go out. We are, we are given that responsibility upon us. But again, one area in which uh, the enemy attacks us intensely is in our will. And this is where we're going to concentrate today. On the readiness to do God's will for our life. We're going to spend our time in this, in this area right now. To do God's will for our life. Matthew chapter 16 verse 24. Jesus said... If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? This is where the enemy attacks us. Let him deny himself. Becomes a matter of will in our lives. Becomes a matter of purpose in our lives. Will I live for myself or will I live for the one who offers me life? Will my life be better with me in the driver's seat or will my life be better with God in the driver's seat? And I believe that most of us, we're here, and we're here, we're, we're, we are attempting to find out what God's will is for our lives, the direction that our life should take, and you have taken the first good step into finding God's will. You are coming to church, you are receiving the word of God, you are worshiping God, you are praising God. That's one of the things we need to do for us to know what God's will is. And in order to know God's will, we have to walk with God. If you're interested in knowing God's plan for your life, you have to walk with God. You need to develop a relationship with Him. You need to develop 
an intimate relationship with him. It's not just on Sundays. I love seeing you guys on Sundays. And I love that you come uh, uh, and you are a part of this. But there's got to be some development between Sunday and Sunday. There's got to be some time when you spend it with God. There's got to be some time where you create and set aside some time to spend it with Jesus. This is not the first time I tell you, and the reason I tell you over and over and over again, because I know that we struggle with this. Life gets busy. This week was very crazy for me. I I had a test that I've been preparing for for three weeks, and thank God I, I passed it finally, yes. Yay me. Finally passed it. And then I knew I was preaching yesterday at another, at another service. And then obviously we had today to get ready for. And it was a little overwhelming for me this week. And, and these times when we get overwhelmed by life. One of the first things that we kind of start letting go of is our relationship with God. It's our prayer time with God. It's our picking up the word of God and, and following up on our reading plan that we have. If we are going to know God's will in our lives, we have to walk with God. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit. Can somebody say submit? submit. We don't like submitting. We don't even like submitting to our boss at work. In all your ways, submit to him, to God, and he will make your path straight. But the only way that you can lean on God's understanding is you have to know what God says. you got to walk with God. That's why we come to church on Sundays. We're cultivating a relationship with God. We are visiting God at his place. If you say, oh, I can have church in my house. Well, you're not, you're not going to God's place. You're not going to go hang out with God. You're at your home. And I'm not saying you can't have church at home. I think you can. But there's got to be that time where you leave everything to the side and you're not, you're not at home cooking as you're having church. You're not at home doing laundry as you're having church. No, you leave everything to the side. And that's why uh, Acts says do not, not, not Acts, Paul says do not neglect the meeting together of the saints. We have to get together. That's why we meet on Sundays. That's why we get together so that we can come as a, as a corporate body and celebrate what Jesus has done for us and lift his name high. Amen. Second thing we got to do is we got to surrender to God. We can walk with God, but it's possible for us to walk with him but not surrender to him. We have to surrender. Many times we can say that we're seeking God's will, but this is what we're saying. God, I know it's your will that I have this new car. Please give it to me. 
I know it's your will for my family to have a home and I want it to be so and so big and I want it to be located right in this area. And we treat God and we talk to him and we seek his will, but we set parameters. We put settings, we put default settings on our Christianity. Well, you can't take me out of my comfort zone. It can only be on Sundays at this certain time. And if the Cowboys are playing, I better be over by a certain time. And we set parameters. And we don't truly surrender to God. We basically tell God, this is what I want to do. Will you approve it? Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, and only then, will you be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I think it comes to a point where if we have to decide if Jesus was willing to die for us, are we not willing to live for him? When will we surrender ourselves to him? Because when we surrender to him, that is truly the only time when he will start directing our steps. Now we seek God's will. We pray, Lord, what is your will for my life? What is the purpose for my life? Number three, you have to obey what you already know. I'm going to tell you, most of God's will for our lives, we can know it right here. I would say almost 98% of God's, of God's will for our lives. You can start in Exodus chapter 20. Do not lie. Do not have other gods before you. Uh, do not take his name in vain. Do not be envious. Do not be covetous. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not. You don't need a great big revelation about what God's will for your life is. You just need to read the word. He's very clear in many aspects of his will for your life. If you read his, the Bible, it will clearly state that you got to love one another. It'll clearly state that you got to have faith in God, that you got to trust Him. It will clearly state that you got to go to church. It will clearly state that you got to be generous. It will say that you got to forgive one another. It will say that you will, you don't have, don't lie, avoid, and don't commit any kind of sexual immorality. It will tell you all these things. If you want to know what God's will for your life is, is start obeying His word. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 3, it says, To do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Don't lay yourself over the altar of sacrifice and say, Lord, I am making such a big sacrifice by coming to church on Sundays. I am driving this great distance. I am doing all these things for you. But yet you're avoiding and you're disobeying all these other areas. Jesus wants you to do what's right. And he prefers that over any type of sacrifice you may offer. Obedience is the most important step, one of the most important steps in knowing God's will 
for our life. The next thing is you got to seek godly counsel. You got to find some godly advisors in your life. What is that saying? That you become who you hang out with. You become those that are around you. Have you ever noticed? You've noticed this with your kids, right? They come in with a new habit at home. You're like, okay, where did you learn that? Who you been hanging out with? Where did you learn that word? Because we don't say that around here. Unless they heard us, right? (laughs) And, And we pick up on things. Who are you surrounding yourself with? If you want to know God's will for your life, you need to seek godly counsel. You need to have godly input into your life. There's a a study that says that you are basically, your life is basically a composite of the five people that have the most influence in your life. That you spend the most time with. So there's only five people that you truly become and they become a a composite sketch. You become a composite sketch of these five people. Then it's very important that you choose who you spend your time with wisely. I'm going to leave the co-worker alone, okay? Because I already got called out the other day about that. It's like, Pastor, do we need to pray for you and a co-worker? (laughs) And... Who are you hanging out with? Who are you spending time with? Are you surrounding yourself with people that are seeking God as well? Or are you surrounding yourself with people that are far from God? Proverbs chapter 11 verse 14 says that where there is guidance, where there is no guidance, the people fails. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. I'm not telling that you got to bring every decision to a counselor. What type of toothpaste should you buy? No. That, did you make those decisions? But what I'm talking about is when you have great big decisions to make in your life. Challenges that you're facing in your life. That you're not sure what the next step is for you to take. That's when you bring in and you you talk to some people in your life that you know love God and that you know love you. That will be honest with you. That will tell you the truth even if it hurts. That can be be a parent. That That can be a pastor. That can be us. That can be someone here at this church. That you can talk to and say, you know what, I'm kind of going through this. I'm not sure what direction I should take. And you got to give those people in your life permission to tell you, hey, you're stupid. Why are you thinking like that? You got to give them permission. Because if you don't, then they're not going to be honest with you. They're not going to be real with you. You have to have guidance in your life. This is what the church is for. That's why we're here. We build a community of people that love one another. We build a community of people that care for one another. A community of people that hurts when you're hurting. That feels challenged when you're challenged. That feels the pain that you feel. 
And the community's here. It's available, but it's up to you whether you allow them in or not. It's up to you whether you open that door for them. Number five, you, to know God's will, you have to pay attention to how God has wired you. Now here's, a, here's an important one, okay? This is important because sometimes we get scared of God's will. We think that God's going to send us as missionaries to Africa and we're going to die of malaria or something, okay? God will use the talents and the abilities that he's already put in you. Now he will push you out of your comfort zone at times. But it will always be within what he's already put inside of you. Those people that go on missionary trips and that they spin and they get up and they take their whole families to Thailand, to, to China, to these places where the gospel is not as free as it is here. It's because it's in their heart. It's in their desire. And God opens a door for them to go. And you got to pay attention to what God has put in your life. God has put something that only you can fulfill. He's giving you a role that only you can fulfill at this church. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in his various forms. So when you seek to discover God's will for your life, you got to pay attention to the gifts God has given you. You see, the musicians, obviously, they've got a gift. And God is using them. Doesn't mean that everyone's going to be a musician. Doesn't mean that everyone's going to stand behind a pulpit and preach. It doesn't mean that every. We all have our different giftings. And they can happen on that side of the platform, and they can happen on this side of the platform. They can happen in the congregation, or they can happen in the sound booth. They can happen here, or they can happen outside. But it's dependent on what God has put in your life, and you got to pay attention to that. If it's not in your heart to go to Africa, God's not going to send you to Africa. Don't be scared about that. If it's not in your heart necessarily to be an evangelist, God's not going to ask you to be an evangelist. He's made people teachers. He makes people pastors. He makes people uh, apostles. He makes people uh, uh, evangelists. There's different roles for every person. But every role serves a purpose. And the most important purpose we serve is to edify one another, to build one another, everyone, to build each other up as a church got to pay attention to how God has wired you. In order for us to fulfill God's purpose in our life, we have to be fitted with the readiness to fulfill the will of God's calling in our lives, to fulfill that calling upon us. The readiness that those Air Jordans that you put on your spirit to, to stand firm. And if the pastor says, hey, Let's go do this. And, and you feel that calling in your life and say, you know what, Pastor, let's go do this. We're going to go uh, invite these people to the church. We're going to go uh, serve these students. We're going to go serve that community. We're going to go be a part of this movement. We are going to go and we're going to be a part of this church. We're going to go and we're going to give to the church. We're going to go and we're going to preach the gospel. Yeah. 
We have to be ready, church. We have to be alert. I'm going to share a story that I shared last night with the young people that I was speaking to yesterday. Because I think that this is one of the things that we struggle with when we talk about the will of God in our lives. There was a man that had a house, beautiful home, well-built, had a bunch of nice things. He had a, a high-definition TV. He, I mean, he had whatever you wanted. He had it. It was there. It was amazing. It was an awesome place. One day he was at home. He was relaxing. He was uh, doing whatever it was that he was doing. And, and there was a knock on the door. He gets up and, and he goes to the door, opens the door. There's a man looking at him. He's looking at this man. And the man says, hi, I'm the devil. And before you know it, before the guy could respond, the devil grabs him by the shirt, picks him up, throws him against the wall, starts punching in his face, starts going at his ribs, breaks a couple ribs, throws him to the ground. The guy is shaking like, what in the world is going on? What in the world is happening right now? And then the devil leaves him on the floor. He goes into the house, starts throwing things to the ground, breaking things, making a mess in his home. He goes to every single room and destroys everything the guy has. And as he's walking out, He walks by the guy and says, I'll be back. And he leaves. The guy is shaking. He's, what in the world just happened? What just happened in my life? I I don't even understand what just happened. Then as he's laying on the ground, another man walks into the house. He he comes up to him and says, hi, my name is Jesus. I'm the Redeemer. I'm the restorer. I'm the healer. And I'm here to help you. Do you want my help? The man says, yes, I need help. I don't know what happened. Something just happened. It's awful. I I need your help. Jesus picks him up, puts him, sits him down and begins to work in his life. He begins to heal him, begins to put his house in order and says, you know what? I can handle these things for you. The next time the devil comes to the house, I can answer the door. But if you want me to do that, you have to give me the key to your house. And the man says, well, Jesus, but this is my house. I built it. I worked hard for it. I don't know if I can give you the key to my house. Well, if you don't give me the key to your house, then... then I'm not going to be able to answer the door when the devil comes again. You're going to have to open the door. Well, Jesus, it's because I don't want to have to make decisions based upon you all the time. I mean, I want to be able to have access to you. I want to visit you once a week. Some of us, we think that we, if we go to church once a week, we're Christians and we're good. We treat God as a, as a nap. We just pull him out when we need him. But Jesus tells the guy, no, I need the key to your house. The guy says, I'm I'm not quite ready. You know, I have a room upstairs. You can stay upstairs. You can stay upstairs. Jesus said, whatever you give me. So one day, the man is, is sitting down. He's relaxing, and there's a knock on the door. He gets up, and he's he gets a little scared. He said, what if it's the devil again? I know. I know. Jesus said he can't answer the door because I didn't give him the key, but I know. I'm just going to crack it open. If I see that it's the devil, I'm just going to shove it closed again and he won't be able to get in. So, see, he goes to the door very carefully, 
opens the door, kind of looks through the door, and he sees the eye of the devil. And before he knows it, the devil kicks the door open. And once again, the same thing happens. He begins to punch the guy and begins to hurt him, begins to destroy everything in his house. He goes to every single room in the house except for the one where Jesus is at. And as he's walking out again, he looks at the man on the floor. He says, I'll be back. The man is shaking again. He, he, he gets up and he crawls upstairs, knocks on Jesus' door, says, Jesus, I needed you. Jesus says, I'm here. But you won't give me the key to your house. What do you want to do? Well, Jesus, I need you. I can't do this again. He hands him the key and says, okay, let's get everything in order. Jesus begins to work on his life, begins to heal him, begins to put the house back in order, and everything is going good. Then one day, there's a knock on the door of him, and Jesus were watching the Cowboys win, and, and, and there's a knock on the door. And the man gets up, Jesus, what if it's the devil? He says, don't worry, I got this. Jesus gets up, bold, confident, no fear in his eye. He opens that door wide open. There's Jesus, there's the devil looking at Jesus, Jesus looking at the devil. The devil gets on his knees and says, I'm sorry, I knocked on the wrong door. And he walks away. So the question is, are you done playing? Are you done? Are you not ready to make God the master of your life? Are you not ready to hand over the key to your heart, the key to your life to Jesus? You've been trying it your way. There are areas, yes, you come to church, but there are areas in your heart that you have not allowed Jesus into. And Jesus says, I can help you there too. I can be there. I can make that whole again. Jesus is like, are you done? How many more times does it have to happen? But Jesus, you don't know the things that I've done. You don't know the sin in my life. Jesus knows about that pornographic addiction. Jesus knows about those drugs that are in your life. Jesus knows about that relationship that you shouldn't be having. Jesus knows all that. He's not surprised by any of that. He just wants to know, are you done? Or are you going to continue playing? Are you ready to make him your Lord? And I don't care. You can be in church for years, but we can still struggle in our hearts. And there are areas we don't allow Jesus to touch. And he wants to know, are you done? Are, is it, time, it is time for you to deny yourself. It's time. I'm going to ask you to stand.